Thanks for listening to The Awakening Podcast. We hope this message inspires and encourages you today. Today I want to, I want to address a very simple but critical subject. It's why you need wisdom. That's, that's what I want to speak about today, why you need wisdom. In week one, we talked about what wisdom is, that it is knowledge applied. We talked about where wisdom came from. It comes from God. It comes from Jesus. Just as Solomon asked God for wisdom, God said, I'll give you wisdom, and by wisdom, I'll give you so much more. Last week, we talked about how wisdom has a way, even through difficulty, that you can walk with wisdom and not have to live under dread, not have to live under despair, but you can live under hope. But today, I want to speak to you about the importance of wisdom. I want to speak to you about the need that you and I have to have wisdom in every area of our life and why it is so maximized on Scripture. From Genesis to Revelation, God speaks about wisdom. So today, I want to speak about why you need wisdom. Turn to your neighbor and say, you need wisdom. Turn to your other neighbor, the one that you ignored, and say, you specifically need a lot of wisdom. Proverbs chapter 4 says this. This is from the perspective of a father writing to his son, and he has this to say. It says, son, get wisdom. Get understanding. Do not forget my words or turn away from them. Do not forsake wisdom, and she will protect you. Love her, and she will watch over you. The beginning of wisdom is this. Get wisdom. <laughs> I love this. Bible's just so clear. Where, where do I start? Start with getting wisdom. The beginning of wisdom is this. Let me double down. Get wisdom. Though it costs all you have, get understanding. Gain understanding. The Bible puts wisdom in a preeminent place because the reality is that wisdom is one of the primary factors that you will need in order to create and live a good life. And this is what a father says to his son. Son, before you do anything, get wisdom. Because you're going to need it in your life. You're going to need it through trials, difficulties, circumstances. The country you're going to live in, the time frame you're going to live, you're going to need wisdom to navigate times of difficulty. And I pray that our church isn't just filled with people that love God. I pray it's filled with people that love God and have gained God's wisdom in their life. I think loving God is, of course, the very first step. And, of course, we know that he first loved us. So loving God is the first step. But I know many people that love God and yet make foolish mistakes in areas of their lives. It's not good enough to just love God. You have to love his word. You have to love his ways. And you have to get his mind. If you get wisdom... Hear me, you will gain a good and godly life. And what I mean by a good and godly life is this, that you will get a life that is stable. A mind that's stable, emotions that are stable. That you will get a life that is faith-filled. And most importantly, I pray that you have a good and godly life that is fun-filled. I hope you enjoy your life. I hope you enjoy your family, your children, your grandchildren, that you have a good and godly life, stable, faith-filled, and filled with fun. Amen? Amen. 
Today we're going to speak about why you need wisdom. Let's pray. Holy Spirit, right now, we set aside anything else, our preconceived notions, our ideas of you, and we allow your word to speak directly to us, right to who we are in our situation, God. And, and God, we submit ourselves to you. Right now, will you release wisdom, not just into our lives, but also into our future, God, that we might make our life by your word. In Jesus' name. Come on, all God's people said, amen. amen. So the question today is, why do you need wisdom? My first point on why you need wisdom is that you might establish a godly life. Why do you need wisdom? You need it in order to establish a good and godly life. I want to show you a verse from Proverbs, which is pretty amazing. Today I'm going to go through Proverbs as principles, and I'm going to go through the beginning of Genesis as some stories, and we're going to see them work together. In the book of Proverbs, there's a very interesting verse. It's in Proverbs chapter 8, and it says this. This is speaking from the perspective of wisdom as the narrator. Wisdom says, the Lord possessed me at the beginning of his work. The first of his acts of old. Ages ago, I was set up at the first before the beginning of the earth. Why do you need wisdom? You need it to establish a good life just as God used it to establish a good world. This is so powerful because we see that wisdom was at work in the creation process. And we know that creation, and we see in Genesis 1, is really a model on how you and I are called to create. So if you want to create something good, like God, you're going to need wisdom. Wisdom says, I was there. In fact, that was one of the very first things he ever created. Before the sun, the moon, the stars, the animals, before Adam and Eve, God created wisdom and used it in his creating process. So you, if you want to establish a good life, wisdom is required. Because it takes wisdom to create. To create something good. A good life. A bad life. That doesn't take any wisdom to create. A bad life comes naturally. Poor decisions, poverty mindset, foolishness, mistakes, failures, cycles, repetition. All of that's natural. None of that takes wisdom. That's just do whatever you feel. Bad life. It's that simple. Comes easily. Well, but to have a good life, you're going to need some wisdom. To have a good marriage, you're going to need some wisdom. Bad marriage, that's easy. You can have a bad marriage by tomorrow morning. This is all you got to do. When you wake up in the morning, just say the first things that you think and feel. Bad marriage. When you're getting the kids in the car to bring them to school, just go with it. Just say what you feel. Instant bad marriage. Why? Why? Because that's natural. That's emotional, that's reactive, that's, that, that's easy. But it takes wisdom to have a good marriage. What to say, what not to say. When to say it, when to never say it. It takes wisdom. <laughs> right choices, ability to learn and grow. It takes wisdom to create good kids. Bad kids, that's natural. But it takes wisdom to form good and godly kids. 
How much do you discipline? What is godly correction? What are the standards? How do you set them? How do you keep them? How are you going to work together as parents to raise these children? Because, hear me, it's like they come out bad. If you don't believe in original sin, have kids. It's just they come out just doing what they're feeling. But it's going, but that's why God gives them you. And God gives you wisdom to say, I'm going to teach you how to raise them. It takes wisdom to create a good life, create a good marriage, create good children, just as it took wisdom for God to create the world. But when God made the world with wisdom, he kept looking at it and saying, but you know what? This is good. This is turning out good. And I pray truly that you'll be able to look at your life and say, hey, maybe it's not perfect, but this is good. This is going good. And wisdom will help you to not screw it up. Jesus comes to us from God as the personification of wisdom. Because sometimes when I'm speaking about wisdom, it could be, you know, conceptual and theoretical. And, and, and we're not quite sure, well, what does it look like? What does it sound like? Luckily for us, Jesus says, I'm going to help you. God says, I'm going to help you. And I'm going to send my son to show you what a wise life looks like. This is how to speak. This is how to forgive. This is how to live. Jesus is the personification of wisdom for us, for you and me, for his, for his people. The Bible says this in 1 Corinthians chapter 1. It says, you are in Christ Jesus who became to us wisdom from God. This is powerful because let me just take a detour for the Bible nerds real quick. This is so powerful because this, to me, matches that verse in Proverbs that we read where it says wisdom was present there in creation. Well, that sounds like John chapter 1, which says in the beginning was the word, and the word was with God, and the word was God, and all things that were created were created through him. So here, before anything's formed, we see the word and we see wisdom, and then the word became flesh. And Jesus shows up to say, I am what wisdom looks like. I'm going to show you how to live. If you need wisdom, hear me. You get the word, and it will make you wise. You get close to Jesus, and it will make you wise. Remember those bracelets, what would Jesus do? I always had a hard time with those. I always thought, who knows what he would do? One day he's flipping tables with a righteous anger. You know, the next day he's walking on water. I don't know how this relates to me sometimes. But I tell you what. What would Jesus not do? I think I could get that. In my life, when I react, I say, you know what? Jesus wouldn't react like that. Jesus wouldn't say that. Jesus wouldn't do that. Jesus wouldn't engage there. What, what would Jesus not do? Sometimes a little bit easier of a frame of reference for, for me so I can work from that and say, I know what Jesus looks like, sounds like. This doesn't feel like that. I want to walk like Jesus because I want wisdom over my life. When you gain the word, you'll gain wisdom. So what am I saying? I'm saying this. The root to wisdom is through Jesus. The more you know Jesus, the wiser you'll become. The closer you are to Jesus, the closer you are to truth. And the more you know the word, the more that God can speak to you about your life. I remember one time when I was in high school, someone gave me a book on miracles and manifestations and the gift of the spirit. This book wasn't pro-miracles. It actually argued that there were no such things as miracles anymore, that it ceased in the book of Acts, that it's done, and that it, it really argued against there being miracles. And I remember I opened it up. I read the very first page, and on it, it described a magician 
that could replicate certain things that are miracles that are seen in the Bible. And because this magician could replicate these miracles, that proves that these miracles are not from God. That was the premise of the book. And I remember when I read that page, I got to the last paragraph, the final word, I felt I heard from God clearly. And he spoke to me and said, couldn't Pharaoh's magicians also duplicate Moses' miracles? And said, yeah. Well, was Moses' miracles not me? Just because there is a forgery doesn't mean that there's not the real thing. When you get close to Jesus, when you get close to his word, you will know truth from a lie. You'll be able to hear from him. I close that book. I, I don't need to read the rest. I know the answer. I know the end. Why? Because I'm close to Jesus, and now I know what to do. I know what to read. I know who to listen to. I know which path to take as I follow him. Why do you need wisdom? Because the wisdom of the Lord will help you establish a good life. Can you say amen? amen. Number two, reason why you need wisdom is because the enemy will try to deceive you. And you are deceivable. The enemy's primary purpose on earth is to trick you. And you and I are trickable. When there was only two of us on earth, we were tricked. The reality is the enemy has a plan for you as well. And what he'll try and do is come against, come against God's plan for you by deceit to cause you to make an unwise choice. This is what he did with Adam and Eve. Well, we're moving from the beginning of Grace and now to Genesis 3. There's two human beings that God has created at this moment. And the Bible tells us the story about the serpent that comes and speaks to them. I feel like I could preach this this story for a thousand years because I've just so much is packed into it. The serpent comes to Adam and Eve. And do you remember what, what he said? He, he asked them about the rules of the garden, the way it was laid out. And, 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 and he asked us, he said this phrase, he said, did God really say that you can't eat of any of the fruit of the, of the garden? Now, what you have to understand here is Adam and Eve were in absolute bliss and utopia. They had no need for food. They had no need for money. They had, they had no need whatsoever. They were in absolute perfection. And yet, here comes an attack to undermine and sabotage their wisdom. Because I think sometimes we think, I would make better choices if I had more money. I would be a lot more wise if I wasn't always worried. I would be a lot more wise if I finally had a spouse, a partner. Well, here is a a God-made partner between Adam and Eve. They're in utopia. They're in bliss. And yet, they're still about to fall prey to foolish decisions. And what does the serpent do? Well, he attacks the word of God and their mind. Did God really say? What is that but an attempt to undermine the word of God, to sabotage their thinking? What he's doing is belittling the word, and he's even challenging them. Like, did you hear God right? Are you sure about that? What do you think? What does your mind think? you got to understand, this is the same tactic that the enemy has today. 
This is what he's doing thousands of years later, that he is attacking God's people to drag them into foolishness by attacking the word and their mind. The enemy is trying to sabotage your life by getting you to have a low view of the word, of the word. to get you to, 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 to have a low view of God's moral law. This is why we have such a problem with truth being all relative, because who's to say what is true? Did God really say that? Are you sure? He, did he mean that? What does the original language say? Why, why, why do you think that? Well, that's outdated. That's outdated language. That's an outdated perspective. That's, not, that's no longer progressive. We don't believe that anymore. That's the word of God. That's fairy tales. That's myths. That's stories. Did God really say that? Or did your pastor, did your religion, did your church, did your parents, are you sure God really said that? And what do you think? What do you think? I know what God thinks, but what do you think? You have a mind. Are you sure? And what he's trying to do is obfuscate and confuse you so that he can sabotage you into making foolish choices. Are you with me? So, so this is what the enemy's trying to do. He tries to deceive. Why do you need wisdom? So you can figure out what's the enemy, what's God, and where he's trying to deceive you to cause you to fall. But the good news is, when the enemy tries to deceive, God comes and he brings clarity. Proverbs chapter 2 says this, For the Lord gives wisdom. From his mouth comes knowledge and understanding. From the mouth of the serpent comes confusion and lack of understanding. But from the mouth of God comes knowledge and understanding. C.H. Spurgeon has this incredible quote speaking about wisdom and discernment. He says, discernment is not knowing the difference between right and wrong. It is knowing the difference between right and almost right. You have to have wisdom and discernment because you're going to meet some snakes in your life. And never forget that the, that the enemy comes as an angel of light. He's never going to appear as this gigantic demonic being. He will come as a friend, as a helper, as a way to just get better, and he'll present things with clarity. And it seems right. Did God really say? And then he goes on to say you can't eat any of the fruit of the garden. Well, hold on. You just misquoted God. God said you could, quote, you could, eat, you could eat any of the fruit except for one. But the enemy always, oh man, I, I'm, I can't preach this right now. I could preach a whole sermon on this. The enemy always heightens God's word to make it seem unbearable and legalistic. You can't eat any of the fruit of the garden. What? You can't do anything? It's like, I didn't even plant this garden. I didn't even work for this garden. The enemy, he's trying to make her outraged about something that's a complete blessing in her life. What? This, you can't eat any of the fruit? Oh, this is, I don't know, this is overbearing. If it was me, I don't know, if it was me, I'd get out of here. I would get, I, I would get out of there. Well, what's outside those, it seems like it's darkness and look like wolves and lions. Yeah, I don't know. I don't know what's over there, but I, I just, I'd leave this safe garden. <laughs> I'd journey into the unknown with no training, no practical advice, no, 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 you don't even have clothes. You think you're going to survive out there? No. <laughs> oh, man. The enemy always tries to heighten it like you got no choice when wisdom says, no, hold on, hold on, hold on, wait, no, no. I'm going to engage the word, and I'm going to use my mind. I know what God says, and I know, and Lord, will you give me understanding? And this makes you deception-proof. Because the reality is, just because you're saved doesn't mean you 
won't be deceived. In fact, there are many common deceptions that creep into the church. A common deception that many times can get on us is that we have time to live right. I'll get around to it. You know, I, I know truth, I know God, I know it's real, but you know, I'm young, I'm, I'm living it up, I got opportunities, I'll get around to it. I got time to live right. Summer's coming, you know, we gotta get wild, but I'll see you in winter. <laughs> Nothing's going on, I'll be back at church. I got time to live right. You know, when I get married, that'll fix me. I'll, I'll be fixed, I'll be saved when I get married. I got time to figure it out. I got time to live right. The Bible says you, no man knows the day or the hour when Jesus will come back. And no one even knows the amount of days in your own life. You might think you have forever when really you've got a few months or a few years and you're going to stand before a righteous God and you don't want to stand before him deceived. Say, God, I thought I had more time to get right, but I spurned your grace and I lived by the flesh and I did whatever and I followed a bunch of fools in my life and, and I ended up here, distant from you right now. Begin to ask God, Lord, eliminate that deception from my mind. Right now, the Bible said, today is the day of salvation. Today is the day when I make my life right. Today is the day when I choose a new path. Amen? Number three, why do you need wisdom? Because decisions are difficult. Can you say Amen. When you're young, you think, like, what are you talking about? Like, it's like you just, you just make a decision. You just do it. You're right all the time. Just go. <laughs> but the older you get, the more cautious you get. Because yeah. decisions are difficult. And you got to make a lot of decisions every single day. And your decisions matter. They have consequences. They build the life that you're going to live. And, and making the right decision sometimes can be difficult. can cut against your emotions. can cut against your desires can cut against what other people are doing. Look at the story of Cain and Abel. Adam and Eve, of course, made the wrong choice. And because of that foolish decision, believing the serpent, they fell, and humanity fell. And it's amazing how quickly their bad choice began to be multiplied. They had two sons, one named Cain, one named Abel, and it came time to worship God. And this was the very first time where we see man bringing a sacrifice before God. Cain, who was the older brother, he was a farmer and he, he, worked, the, he, uh, he, he worked the fields. But the Bible says that he brought an offering. He just brought an offering. But Abel, the Bible says, brought a good offering, a sacrifice, brought the very best of his flock and, and the fat, brought over and above what he had to bring. Two different offerings because what you have to understand here is this was a choice, and this decision was based on how they perceived God. To one, God mattered. To the other, God was secondary. So Cain brought a secondary offering, but he brought it before a good God, and God received Abel's offering, but the Bible says, but God rejected Cain's offering. God says, that's, that's unworthy. It's not a sacrifice. Well, the Bible goes on to tell us that Cain was downcast. That was on his countenance. And the truth is, whenever, whenever you, you don't do what is right, and whenever your worship of God becomes less than, you get caught up in sin and foolishness, make no mistake, it gets on your countenance. Let me put it this way. Whenever you choose not to walk in light, 
you get darkness on you. And it's able to just be seen. The Bible says that his countenance fell. And God came down and said, Cain, why has your countenance fallen? And here's God's warning. Here's God's instruction. He says, if you do what is right, will you not be accepted? God says, I love you. I'm for you. I've got grace. I've got redemption. But you've got to make some good choices here. You've got to make a wise decision about who I am and how you're going to live. If you do what is right, will you not be accepted? I'm waiting for you to make a wise choice. God goes on to say, but be careful because sin is crouching at the door and you don't even know what you're about to tangle, tangle with. God's giving a warning and he's so faithful to give wise warnings of instructions in times of critical decisions. So Cain had a choice to make, but instead of hearing from God and heeding his words, he instead made another foolish choice and he chose to deny God's word and bitterness grew in, the, in his heart, and he ended up murdering his brother. But I want you to know, that decision didn't start there. That decision started with a low view of God. That decision started with the wrong view of his creator, and it led to murder. It led to a series of foolish decisions. This is why this verse matters so much in Proverbs. It's been our key verse where it says, the fear of the Lord is the beginning of, of wisdom. It's the beginning of knowledge. But look, fools despise wisdom. They despise instruction. In other words, God himself could come to you and tell you you're about to make the wrong choice, but you got to be open in your heart. Cain was prideful, therefore he was close-hearted. He had the attitude that you can't tell me nothing. And it ended up leading him down a horrible path. But I'm here to tell you, if you're humble, if you're, if you're open to hearing from God, you're going to get opportunities. There's room for promotion. There's room for, for wise choices. There's room for repentance. And God says, and I'll accept you. And I'll accept you. But you're going to make some wise decisions. I want, to, I want to ask you, who do you consult in your life when you're going to make some decisions? Who do you consult? Do you have a, a couple people that will help you make some of those difficult decisions. God is faithful. He'll give you some good people. You know, the Bible says that God has a counsel and he receives counsel. If God has a counsel, you need some good counsel. And God will give you, if you're part of this church, I believe you are surrounded by good counsel. I, I believe that he's given you his spirit. I believe that he's given you his word. I believe every Sunday when I speak, God speaks through me right to you. I believe God that's, has surrounded you by so many great crew leaders. And I know sometimes everyone wants to speak to me or Pastor David, and I think that's great, but I want you to please hear me. There are so many wise leaders in this church. There are crew leaders and there are remnant leaders and there are spiritual fathers and mothers in this church. And if you have some decisions to make, get yourself a spiritual father and mother. As God says to Isaiah, listen and you may live. Listen, because your life becomes like who you listen to. And I want to speak to the young men here and say this. Growing up is very difficult. And you're going to have a lot of decisions to make at this hour of your life. And you need some wise counsel in your life. Because the decisions you make today is the reality you live in tomorrow. 
And many of you that are just starting out your life, 20, 30 years old, you have decisions you're going to have to make, financial decisions, lifestyle decisions. You're going to make a decision on your spouse. And please hear me, you need to make the right decision on your spouse. There's a big difference between right and almost right when it comes to your spouse. That's the difference between a good life and and an almost good life. It's a big, big difference. Well, you can't just make these decisions alone, on your own. You need a spiritual father, spiritual mother, a mentor in your life that you can call up, that you can text, that you can check some things by and say, hey, what do you think about this decision? And I believe God will bring those people into your life. And if you need that spiritual father, like Timothy had Paul, maybe you just pray. Say, God, will you bring someone into my life? Make it clear that there's someone that I can speak to that will help me make wise decisions in my life. Can you say amen? amen? Look at what it says in 2 Peter. It says, take care that you're not carried away with the error of lawless people and lose your own stability, but grow in the grace and in the knowledge of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. You can't just follow everybody. You can't just take in everyone's opinion, but you need to have some people that know God are graced by him, and that will help you grow. Turn to your neighbor and say, grow in the grace. Are you ready for one more point? Can you handle one more point? You can handle one more point. You got one more in you. Okay. Okay. Why you need wisdom? It's number four, because the world's ways are unwise. And getting worse. And getting worse. If wisdom was a stock on the stock market, it would be all red. It would be crashing. They'd be on CNBC saying, like, we've never seen a crash like this since 1929. People are selling. No one wants wisdom in their portfolio. The world's ways are unwise and becoming increasingly so, which means that you're going to have to live a very, very different life. Walk a different path. Have a different set of beliefs. You're going to have to be like Noah, who we find in Genesis 6. He's surrounded by a world that the Bible tells us is filled with violence and corruption. God looks down and he's shocked at what he sees. It's so evil. It's so anti-Christ that God says, this evil cannot continue to exist. Life is a gift. And this is a perversion of the gift. And so I'm going to wipe the world away. I regret ever even making it. But in the midst of that, God sees one man. He says, but look at him. He's living different. Favor is found upon Noah in the eyes of God. And God comes to Noah and says, you're living different than the world around you. And because of this, I'm going to not just rescue you. I'm going to rescue your family. I'm going to rescue the whole world through you you got to understand, this story isn't just about Noah. This story is about Jesus, who is the one that came into a violent and corrupt world and rescued humanity. But it's not just about Noah and Jesus. This is about you, who have the spirit of Jesus living on the inside of you. Yes, you live in a very strange time. And there's been times where the world's been worse. There's been times when the world's been better. And it goes and it ebbs and it flows. But make no mistake, we are entering into a time where people are unwise because they have forgotten God, the source of wisdom. Now they're living on their own, and that way is corruption. And so God 
comes to Noah and says, but I'm going to build a way out through you. And what's interesting is at that time, there was no rain on the earth. Noah did not live near any seas or shores. So no one would have ever seen a boat at that time. But God says, I want you to build something that you've never seen before. This is going to require faith. And you're not going to be able to look at the world to figure out what it should look like. You're going to have to listen to me. And God gave Noah specific instructions on how to build this boat. He gave him the schematics. He gave him the blueprint for salvation. This is what I want you to build. It's going to be different, but it's going to rescue your family. And hear me, the life that God is calling you to build, you might not be able to look at the world to get an idea of what it should look like. You might have to hear the instructions only from the word of God. The blueprint of salvation. And I believe that what you should be building is a godly family and a godly church. That the church is the ark of rescue for our generation. It's just a powerful thing, God's community that we're building together that will survive the coming flood. Noah was the first prepper. That dude was ready for the apocalypse. And they made fun of him, you know, and in the end he was like, told you, you know. <laughs> Noah looked different. Noah looked distinct. Noah looked strange. He looked weird. But in the end he was right because he listened to the word of God. This is our challenge. And I want you to know this is the moment we're moving into. Jesus spoke about the end times, and you know what he said about it? He said that the the end times will actually be a lot like the days of Noah. That people will forget God, will become obsessed with pleasure. They'll, they'll pay no attention to the Holy Spirit. And, and, and they won't even know what's coming right up until the last moment. In other words, we're going in a giant circle. And as we end up in this place of Noah, you and I have a choice. Will we live like the culture around us and share their fate? Or will we stand out like Noah, building the ark? For 120 years, he built and he preached. And do you know, and that's, that represents a whole lifetime. For a whole lifetime, he preached. No one repented. No one changed. In fact, the Bible says he was mocked. For a lifetime, he was just mocked. But yet he stayed faithful. He stayed true. He chose wisdom and the word based over the worship and the ways of the world. You and I, we have this same choice. The same choice before us. We are building in this church God's community from God's instructions, despite the world's reactions for the salvation of our families and our children. So today I would encourage you, choose wisdom. Choose the words of wisdom over the ways of the world. Choose it. Get aligned with it over anything else. Because hear me, the voices of the serpent and the voices of the world are so loud. And there's so many opinions and there's so much information and so very little wisdom. And if you walk in wisdom, you might stand alone like Noah. But in the end, I believe, is rescue for your life. And, 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 and we are getting increasingly different from the world. A woman was baptized at first service. She said something pretty amazing. She said, 
I had known God, but I had walked away from him. And it wasn't until I had my child that I saw Jesus again reflected back at me from my child. I think it's so beautiful. She found God through God's creation. I, I, I want you to know, specifically in this area of children, we believe very differently than the world. I mean, I, mean I, I could give you 20 different examples. I could talk about marriage. I could talk about finance. I could talk about sexuality. I could talk about relationships. I could talk about morals. I could talk about a million values. There's so many different things where the world, the world says, well, you should do it this way. And we're over here like Noah's like, all right, we're building that way, though. And especially with children, the world says, hey, you shouldn't have that many children because it might affect your career. And your career should be on priority with your children. Don't have a lot of children because you can't afford them. The world would even say, hey, don't have a lot of children because it will ruin the environment. That's the newest one. <laughs> don't have kids because of trees. That's the world's way. But the word's wisdom says, be fruitful and multiply. I hope you have tons of kids. The Bible says that children are a blessing. They're a lot of work, but they're a blessing. The Bible says that a man should have many sons. They'll be like arrows in their quiver. In other words, you can't touch this. We got strength in this house. I pray our church looks radically different from the world with what we believe and how we live and so that our children and our children's children can be many and will be saved. Like Noah, we'll bring our kids into the ark on Sunday morning and say, get to know the other kids because when the floodwaters come, this is the place of rescue. We're going to stand on the rock that is Jesus Christ. And we're going to choose wisdom. Can you say amen, church? Why do you need wisdom? To establish a good life so that the enemy won't deceive you, so that you can make right decisions, and that you might not listen to the world, so that instead your life can be built, your family can be saved, and that you can grow in the grace of Christ Jesus. Can you say amen? Thanks for listening to The Awakening Podcast. We hope this message has encouraged you. If you want to learn more about our church, visit us online at awakening.global. We'll see you soon.